Um, I'm a men's uh, clarity coach and business mentor. Why men? How can creatives or entrepreneurs, both, how can they avoid burnout? It's one of the key pillars I teach. Where does all this stress come from? Is self-care, personal development, a selfish practice? You'll never by yourself. You're always with yourself. What is one thing you regret not saying to somebody and why didn't you say it? The first thing that comes up for me is like someone that that person's gone. It was like, I didn't say it. Getting paid $1,000 a month to have percentage shares in a company where all promised we're going to be millionaires in 24 months. I had like close to like, I wouldn't say a mental breakdown. I, I don't think you find happiness. I think you create happiness. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for changing my life. Today, I bring you Mikkel Kuha. Mikkel is a men's coach, business mentor, and founder of The Project, a program designed to gain clarity across major pillars of your life, from mindset and purpose to finance and life goals. And a disclaimer right from the start, this is not a photography-specific conversation, but I do hope it's inspiring and educational. It's certainly a discussion that I think can be applied to almost every human on the planet, whether you're a creative or not. Mikkel and I have worked together before, and I felt it important to share some of his knowledge, at least some of the more general principles and tools that might help you get through certain seasons of your life, whether it be starting out with your business or photography, going through difficult life-changing moments, pitching for jobs, or avoiding burnout and staying motivated. Mikkel is committed to reaching the hearts and minds of as many around the globe as possible path of not knowing what to do in life is all too familiar, especially for many of us who take the plunge into our own vocation, business, or hobby turned full-time passion. Mikkel is here to make sense of the cloudy world of purpose, passion, and living out our dreams, and he helped me to do just that. And so I'm here to hopefully provide a glimmer of insight into these methods and practices through my conversation with him. And lastly, but not leastly, I wish you all a very Merry Christmas. Thank you so much for watching and supporting the Mood Podcast and my channel. It's such a privilege to make these episodes, and even if a small piece of them resonate just with 1% of your soul, I'm the luckiest man alive. For all of you out there who might be having a tough Christmas, uh, a lonely time, or just a difficult few days and weeks, I want to say I send you my heartfelt wishes. I've had my own share of difficult festive periods, and my heart goes out to you. I sincerely hope this episode might bring you some comfort in those difficult times. And now here is Mikkel Kuha. Christmas episode, I guess this is. I don't really know where to begin with you because we go back, I guess, uh, not that long, but this is the first time we've met in person. So maybe we can just start with, I guess, who you are um, without putting too many labels on it, kind of what you do. Um, but more importantly, why you do it. Mm. I feel like the who you are question is one that can go very deep yep. in, in different avenues and things like that. Um, <laughs> I just want to take it there. But um, I'm a men's uh, clarity coach and business mentor. Um, I equip men with the intellectual, mental and emotional tools to navigate areas of life. Outside of that, I'm a 35-year-old man from Australia X bathroom renovator, X Tyler, um, a multifaceted entrepreneur that has tried almost every business model along my path to where I am now, and um, now a dog dad of 
anywhere from six to 12 dogs fluctuating in the house. And um, yeah, I think that's it. Why men? Why men? Um, for me, when I went through some really tough times in my life, I had a circle of friends around me that like, okay, you've got the boys that will like, you go through a breakup or you're struggling with something. It's like, come on, mate, come on, like, let's get out. And it's like, that is, that is, that supports on some level. But for me, it was more so like I was called forward. I wasn't called out. And what I mean by that is I had friends around me when I started showing up a certain way, um, whether that's drinking all the time, going out, um, skipping work, letting people down, rocking up late to event, not going to important events, like whatever it is. Friends were called me, called me forward. Meaning she's taking me aside and be like, hey, bro, like you're better than this and we're not sure why you're showing up the way you are right now. And we can kind of see it from you and we feel like there's so much more you have to give in whatever area that is. Like put your area that you're not living up to in life right now. My friends were a, a place of reflection um, and for, somewhere for me to confide. And that's why I created the project. What the project started out as a videography podcast, actually a men's accessories. The project is my coaching business. So it started out as a men's accessories business. Did it? I didn't know that. Yes. Okay. Um, Theproject.co. I wanted to, uh, I wanted to be a millionaire through dropshipping, okay. essentially. Okay. Um, it f- then found its way into a podcast and then it found its way into, which was funny, th- different business models, same, same packaging. Um, essentially, I had people in my corner throughout them and I wanted to create that for other people. What was the podcast yeah. about? The project? Yeah. Was it, so that was, you said that was after your dropshipping mm. company and you went full-time into podcasting or? No, um, I just enjoyed interviewing people okay. and like having that level of conversations, which I had in a small social circle of my friends. And I found I would be on construction sites 40, 50, 60 hours a week and I would listen to 30, 40 hours of podcasts. So for me, I was like, I wanted to start immersing myself in different conversations and different narratives compared to the 50-year-old bricklayer on site that's like, oh, I hope I can work on the weekend so I don't have to deal with the kids. And I'm on a construction site for eight years watching my life go down the path that all of theirs had. It's gone on a bit of a tangent now. But I felt like, listening to the narratives and stories and opinions they had on the world. I was like, I was very quiet on construction sites. And then they'd see me on podcasts or they see me um, online and Instagram. They're like, wow, that, that's not you. And I'm like, no, no, it's just not me on site yeah. because I don't align with anything you guys talk about. So I would kind of just keep my own opinion to myself. Um, yeah. Was that, a, you know, would you advise people doing that now? Like re rewinding back to then and fast forwarding to where you are now is is the opinion thing always a challenge where you kind of have to restrict yourself from having an opinion or how do you deal with that you know in a professional sense um not sharing conflicting opinions to people you work with yeah yeah um uh it's i don't know i i just got to a space like not everyone is going to agree with you. And I also like don't have much investment to some of the, it might sound really rude now, but there was just a lot of people on construction sites. You see them once a month 
two two times a month when you cross on on sites and it's like if they're sitting down at lunch and talking shit about whatever it is it's like i just just don't have the space or energy for this um i don't need to convince anyone of my thought or my narrative or my viewpoint i can open up the conversation but as you'd know and a lot of people know that some people just aren't open for those kind of conversations Mm -hmm. at certain points in their life so it's kind of like i just kind of shrugged my shoulders at it um and just kind of kept focused on like what I wanted to do. Yeah. So after construction sites, podcasting, drop shipping, then then came videography. When- uh, there are a few more. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, tell Along us. Along the way. Because um, we've all been there in some, some way or another. Yeah. So look, um, the first one when I was in construction, I um, was mainly a tiler and my dad was using these tiling tools. He had a, um, a fabricator makeup, pretty much holds a level on the wall so you can tile off a level surface. And found a website online where I could find manufacturers in China, got in contact with a guy called Boris in China, which turned out to not steal all my money and sent over some prototypes, had CAD designs made up. He sent over the tools, sold 60 to 70 of the three to 400 I ordered and the rest just took up space in mum and dad's um, okay. shed. I think they're still there or they got sent out to scrap metal, didn't really work <laughs> out. Um, that then went into network marketing, which a lot of people have like a, a very like network marketing, pyramid scheme, people scamming your money. Yeah, I get that. Um, but it opened up my world to personal development. It was like one of the things they said everyone needs to do in the company is get to the events, learn from the mentors, immerse yourself oh, in the books, okay. which was amazing. But there is also a space in that world where it's like, you can be manipulated in a way to think this business model is for everyone. It's just you that needs to be fixed. Like you need a different mindset and then you'll be successful at this business model where the reality is it's just not for everyone. Um, so went from that, um, email marketing, done email marketing, done drop shipping, um, done motivational speaking at high schools for kids on emotional intelligence. That was about the time of my podcast. Um, and then just started to lead me down the route of facilitating and working uh, with men throughout that. So there are a few. There's eight in total. I think I've missed a couple right now, but like they're not coming to me. But it's interesting, like you describing them now, because I obviously know about this, having known you for a while. But now it's kind of a bit more clear as to what you do now, packaging everything you did before. Really, maybe bar construction, maybe you build your own studio where you do your, your work, but all of what you've just described, the network marketing, email marketing, um, uh, motivational speaking, podcasting, all of that stuff, those skills that you learn along the way, mm. I would say that you, you've packaged into who you are now as a, as a, as a men's coach, right? And what, how you put that out there, would that yeah. be correct? Yeah, a hundred percent. And, um, like I was chatting to your partner fee just before this, it's like, it's so important to be able to like follow your highest excitement. And I don't mean that in like an etherical of like, if you just enjoy watching Netflix, like I'm not saying like follow that. I'm like something that's of purpose and value to the world that um, potentially can be exchanged for an income money where a lot of people listen to this podcast, they're creatives, videographers, photographers, um, graphic designers, whatever that is. And the reason they're down that is because they followed that point of excitement or creativity at some point. And for me, a big part of why those businesses didn't get to where I wanted them to was because money was the the end goal. 
Like um, I picked up a camera for the first time when I was doing videography because I wanted to be famous on YouTube. This was like just when Logan Paul was doing vlogs to like wind back the clock and people might not even know. 2014, 15? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, wow, cool. Like, okay, I'm interesting. Now I pick a, a camera and I'm like, <laughs> the fuck am I going to talk about? <laughs> um, so yeah, like, and, and the thing with that was that was when a friend asked me a super important question, which was like, okay, it's cool you're doing this videography thing now. But like, like what is it about videography that excites you? And at that point, I, I wasn't, I, I wasn't sure. I, I was at a bit of a crossroads and this is where like me chasing the money and the dollar with so many different business models met me with this when I came to Bali and I got offered an opportunity. It was get paid. Oh, it was a two day shoot on a boat with models and um, photographers and like creative community. It was essentially just like a boat party right? For a day or two days. Yeah. Photographers love those. Yeah. And I just got to Bali. So I'm like, wow, amazing network event. There's going to be girls around. There's guys I can network with. There's business owners. There's blah, blah, blah. All of it. The exact same day, I went and recorded a podcast with someone I met in Ubud and they offered me to come do a charity shoot for Muntikunung, which is up north here in Bali, where they create sustainability in villages and communities to actually not just hand out money to them, but create um, infrastructure so they can have jobs and all this kind of thing. And that's when that question really landed for me. It's like, okay, you do videography, but why? Like, what is it about videography you do? And I was like, oh, but I just got to Bali and this this pays like, it's going to pay me like 1500 bucks. Like I, models. I, yeah. Like community net, like, I, like this is, this could set me up for everything. Yeah. Or go to a charity shoot which it's a six hour hike in the driest part of bali for free and put the video together and when she asked me this the the, the answer just became so clear it was like i i, I want to have purpose yeah the boat so <laughs> i went on the boat and <laughs> um for me yeah it was just like that's yeah that, that was my highest excitement then to create impact purpose charity contribution all that through that so um that's honestly why i feel like the first business models failed because there was so much attachment and and um, held on to the outcome. It was like, whatever happens, oh, I didn't make money this week. I didn't, and I had a lot of friends judging me for not going out of the, the normal narrative of going into a job and a career and that. And I would get so frustrated and like, no, no, I need to make this work now. And the definitive marker for success was this needs to make money and this needs to make this much by this time. Or it's just like, there's no other reason I'm doing it. So when shit gets hard, it's like, I just throw in the towel, pick a different business model. Like that was the cycle of it. Yeah. But that kind of worked for you, right? I mean, what you do now, why why do you feel like that is, I mean, knowing you as I do, you're the most maybe happy and comfortable and successful you've ever been. Would I, is that just putting words into your mouth or would that be correct? Yeah. Um, I would say in the last few years, um, especially the last, 36, 24 months, ebbs and flows out of that state. If you would ask me on a Monday, it might be a little bit different. And then Thursday, it's like, yeah, ecstatic. Um, I think that's the life of a business owner yeah. though. But yeah, very much but so. It, but that depends on how you define and qualify success. Mm. How, do you, how do you do that? Um, or does that word not even enter your vocabulary? On a yeah, I don't, 
I never really look at myself as like lining up the markers of am I successful because I feel like it's it's like ever changing. And like you said before, everything I'd done in those in those arenas gave me the skill sets for when I found the thing I really wanted to do. It was like, oh, I know how to do lead generation. Oh, like I know how to do sales. I know how to do content. I know how to tell a story. Like, I, like all, all copywriting, like all the things, network, it all came together. Um, on the on the success standpoint, no, it's it's not even really a, a conversation I have. Hey, like I'm I'm so okay. The biggest thing that I I struggle with is not being able to disassociate my business success with my identity as a person. So like if business is doing well, if I'm getting good results in the things I want to do, then I'm like, oh, I am good. I am of my high value. I am of more worth. Yet, as we know in business, some months don't look like that. And the thing I struggle with is not being able to disassociate from the fact like, yo, I've been like really fucking showing up for the family. I've been showing up for friends. I've been getting my exercise, my meditation, all my nutrition. I've been crushing all of that. But if the business isn't ticking, it's like, oh, no, I'm not doing well this month. Um, that would be, it wouldn't be like, is this successful or not? It would be more so the conversation of like, um, am I good enough right now or will this thing work, I guess. So what drives you? Mm. I think it's the thing that's always driven me. Just like the, there's an understanding that I have more potential. And I have so much more inside. And the thought of, I wouldn't say the driver is the thought of like regret looking back, but I just know there's so much more to, to be, do and have in, in all aspects, like self, relationships, business, impact, income, all of it. Um, yeah, so that, that honestly would be the key driver for me. Ever since I was in school, man, I always thought oh, I was going to be different. Like I, and I feel like it's like, I, I understand I'm not the main character of the world. Like, I get that. <laughs> um, and I feel like a lot of people have this conversation, yet a lot of people just don't act on it. And on what? That, that yearning desire for more. Right. And sometimes it gets, it gets um, confused in like cars and houses and Agreed. women, money, all that kind of stuff. But it's just, there's, there's more of Mikel. And it's, it's such a hard thing to quantify. Because when I was on construction sites, like I, I didn't hate my job, didn't love it. But if you were to ask me like, okay, out of 10, where would you rate your life right now? I, I probably would have told you a seven, eight. It's pretty content, complacent even. Yet when I left that and started doing a job that actually gave me purpose, gave me impact, gave me a much greater source of income than construction sites did, I would then look back through the land. It's like a, it's like a shift in paradigm, right? It's like looking back at McKellen construction sites and being like, yo, he was living like a three out of 10, like a two out of 10 life. Yet at the time, like when we talk about success, I would determine myself on like being pretty successful. But it's like as we shift and flow and find ourselves in new seasons of life, we can look back and be like, oh shit, I was actually playing down there. So isn't that just perception? Isn't that just the perception of your own environment at that time? And what gets you out of that, I don't want to say bubble, but that that um, like a perception of where you are as a person in life, 
a season in life because it's easy to get closed in and, and bogged down with that, right? Mm. How do people kind of get out of that? It's easy to say, well, education and travel and this kind of stuff. But when you're, when you're in it and you don't know, you mark yourself a seven or eight out of 10, then yeah. what do I need to improve? I'm fine. Yeah. How do, how do people recognize that or is it not important? Yeah, 100% is perception because like we don't know what we don't know and our awareness expands. How do people get out of um, their own perception, essentially? How, because perceptions of life, everyone has their own perception of life and their own situation within that life, right? So for me anyway, there's always a yearning desire to like, okay, don't get, don't soak yourself in this perception. Don't sit in it. There is other things about life that you don't, like you don't know what you don't know. Or there's other people that may inspire you to just kind of break out of your little bubble or your little perception. Or I'm very fortunate I get to travel with my job. That really helps me because I, it clicks. Okay, yeah, forget there's this rest of the world that's going on and, and other forms of life that I don't know about. Mm. That kind of grounds me. I don't know whether that's an important thing to be aware of or not because sometimes envy can creep in. And I look at friends, uh, maybe not friends, but um, anyone who's is the construction worker who's super ha seems to be just super happy i don't know whether that's just who they are as people or that if you start introducing them to other perceptions and other forms of living life that that might help them in in the future yeah i i want to be very like i'm not sitting here and saying like working in construction is a bad thing like Absolutely not. people can be completely like just in love with working their job like that's cool but for me that just wasn't it how, how do you break out of that current perception well like your perception will always be your perception um you might not even know when it shifts but it's like new inputs new mm. conversations new podcasts new books like um a, an old mentor of mine always said you know like if you don't feel like you have people in your circle that you can have these kind of conversations with and expand your awareness and knowledge tap into books books is like having conversations with people that are just more experienced it down the field you're listening to new experiences like how many times do we know people in our life that go overseas travel for six months or a year and come back and they feel like they don't fit now mm. everyone's like oh you've changed well, we of course i fucking changed like i i my awareness of the world just grew a lot um like you, you don't understand the what is reality for like your world and the world are two completely different things. Yeah. And yeah, sure. Cool quote. Sounds great. Throw it up on Instagram. But like until you actually embody and experience that, then things really shift for you. And then you ask the quality, quality of questions you ask yourself are different. It's like not how do I make more money to make pay rent this week or buy the new watch. It's like, what can I actually do that I enjoy making money? And how can I be more fulfilled from that? Or how can I, the, the kids I just saw overseas in Bali, like how can I raise awareness to bring more money? So like there's just so many different avenues that can go down. Um, so the perception is just new inputs, internal or external. Yeah. It's overwhelming. And this is why we need people like you. Uh, we started working together earlier this year and um, and I've told you this before, but you, you changed my life. You changed my wife's life, changed our life together. But 
if I didn't know for some reason I clicked on your post and then we started talking and and the rest is history. Um, but I can't lie, and I, I know other people feel like this, especially with a digital world, a information heavy, saturated world. Throw in social media, throw in sensationalism, throw in clickbait, throw in everything that people have in their faces every day. Now take a small slice of that and just go into, let's say, mental health or just health generally. Mm. I mean, fuck me. It's A, overwhelming, B, confusing. So, you know, I know we haven't mentioned photography yet, but I, I talk to a lot of photographers in, in my circle and they either don't prioritize their health, um, which is obviously everyone's choice, uh, but they ended up they end up burning out or they end up not knowing how to manage themselves with that, with mm. jobs, with purpose, with fulfillment, with mental health, physical health. But on the flip side, they just, they, they just don't know where to start. They don't, they're not aware of it for a start. They're not aware of their own health. But they're also not aware that there is help and information out there that they can go and explore. But when they do, the people that, and me included, and, and Fee, my wife included, we, we, we try and educate ourselves with some kind of health thing every day, uh, whether it's a podcast, book, talking to someone, whatever it is, because it's just interesting to us. I understand some people is not that interesting. Mm. My point is, where do people start with something like this? Because it is, for me anyway, and I know a lot of people, it's highly confusing because a lot of information contradicts another person's information. So getting clarity on that is very difficult but even just the amount of information that you can get out there on any subject not just health right you can go and find out about anything you want it's a luxury it's a privilege but it's also like fuck i don't it's just too much yeah right can you where do people start essentially where, yeah. where can people start yeah it it is a fucking lot like <laughs> yeah. um you try to find nutritional advice online and someone will tell you spinach kills you and then someone else will tell you red meat kills you and then someone else tells you that don't drink filtered water because the plastics from the bottle will also get you. It's like, <laughs> at, at, to, what, to what point, um, and that, that can lead down the path of like food anxiety and stuff. It's like, I don't want to eat anything because everything's bad for me. Um, it's one of the key pillars I teach, man, which is experiential learning. Like learn, understand the concept and apply it to your life. I can't sit here and tell you meditation is going to change your life. I can't tell you, sit here and tell you ultra running is going to change your life. Yoga is going to change your life. Breath work, like weightlifting, like whatever. Like I, I can try to, but it's like similar to, you know, if when you first start learning to drive a car, like if someone tells you, okay, so what we're going to do is you're going to put it in the top left, put it in first gear and you slowly bring off the clutch. And as you bring off the clutch, you're going to put, like I could explain that for a week and you get in the car and you bunny hop down the road and stall it. Or you get in the car, you put it in the first and you feel it for yourself. It's like what we call these as modalities or practices, you know, um, breath work, meditation, yoga, all, all these things. They're some of the more Eastern ones. But if you fucking hate running and that's like you've, you've agreed, you've created that as a belief for you, try it for a week. Try running every single day. There might be some gold in there for you or you might hate it. Pick something else. If you're really asking where people should start, I should say start with the path of least resistance. Right. If you like exercise, find something. Commit to it. Do that. I'm not saying you have to go on a yoga mat an hour every single day. Like, get outside and do that. If you love TV, 
find things around topics that you want to consume, YouTube, TV, Netflix, whatever that is. Like, it doesn't have to be this, this overly complex, like I need to find my purpose, know my identity and understand all my childhood traumas in a week. It's like the stuff's forever evolving and the work is, I'm sorry to say, there is no finish line with this kind of work, which can be the most frustrating yep. thing. Um, so it's like, yeah, it's find that thing that you enjoy right now and then f- see what is in there for you. Yeah. Problem is often the path of least resistance is not the best, but best in terms of maybe not the most healthy path. Yeah. Let's okay. Say, right. Um, so they, you know, and you've taught me this, that there has to be some resistance for you to grow. Right. So kind of lean into that resistance, whatever it might be. But I guess the least resistant. I mean, I'm a TV lover. We've had this conversation. Yeah. But I love move. I love documentaries and movies. I, I generally don't watch like reality TV or something like that because there's, I found a way to both enjoy TV, but also maybe learn something, but or appreciate the art form or something like that. Okay. Let me, let me reframe this then because it's very, it's very important. As I'm speaking, I know what I'm speaking about, but it's like something needs to challenge you at some point. Like you said, you know, it's past of least resistance. Ice cream, <laughs> Netflix, every night, let's go. What's in here for me? Um, no, it's something that like has to challenge you because with that, you know, um, with that, ex- that controlled stress application, you start to find out things about yourself that you maybe were not aware of until you were put in a stressful place. People who play, like I played competitive basketball my whole life, like I found out very much my teammates and myself who shows up in the last 20 seconds of a game, who fakes mm. an injury, who really wants to like show up and stand up. The, the exact same in a work environment or when you're running a business, you relationships and businesses are the two, like if you really want to develop yourself um, and understand yourself and bring awareness to your, your cycles and patterns and mental health, get into a long-term monogamous relationship and start your own business. And all the things you think you are, you'll find out if that's really true because it'll be reflected back to you where you need to show up. Yeah. So everyone- I I know that. Go and and, uh, grab Tinder now and just like (laughs) dive dive head in, head first in. Um, I want to just, I've got this book in front of me. It's my kind of um, Mikhail Black book, but um, we'll get to some of this in a minute. I want to just talk a little bit about um, general kind of con- um, principles for let's photographers, videographers, but creatives, because um, most of the people watching this will want to know. Mm. Okay, how can I better myself as a as a creative? How can I better my business? Um, and I think immediately about traveling. A lot of my photography friends, a lot of people watching this, a lot of people that comment on some of my posts are travel photographers, or they travel with brands, clients that that need a job doing in somewhere else that mm. isn't either where the photographer lives, right? So how, t- two questions, I'll ask you the first question um, in the most generic, crudest sense, crudest sense, how can creatives or entrepreneurs, both, how can they avoid burnout? Mm. I, I, I honestly feel it. On, on a creative aspect, um, being in that world very deeply for like maybe three years back when I did pick up a camera, it comes back to what I was saying before is disassociating yourself from the work. Like you as a human 
your value and worth and success as you are in a human has so many different facets than your creativity and your work. It's just one aspect. And I feel like we put so much pressure on ourselves to master and succeed in that area. And that stress can lead to burnout. But for, it's like, it's interesting you ask this because like I was in a startup company working 60 set. Like sometimes we're at 2 a.m. We're fishing and edit and we're doing revisions, revisions because something needs to launch. Um, and it was in videography. That was the exact space it was in. And I got burnt out from it. And just speaking from experience, I was so busy creating for everyone else consistently so often that I lost the passion and zest I had for yeah. videography. Um, I would say, and I didn't do this, but I would say the thing that um, led me down that path was not having my own thing. Like I let my podcast slip away because I focused on their podcast. I wasn't creating any content around the shit that genuinely lit me up because I was so immersed in creating content for them. Like, and I feel like that flow state, which a lot of people listening would get into, like I used to work in construction, get home from work, um, 8 a.m. on site, gym after work, get home, 6 p.m., eat dinner, and edit to 1 a.m. And like, I'd just be in there. Like, and we're talking like when I first started, like YouTube tutorials, trying to do just a couple cuts, like it's like an hour and a <laughs> half. Um, and then it was just like, I'd, I'd disappear for three hours mentally, emotionally, like, and I'd just be in the edit. Yeah. And then I come out and I'm like, dumb, like amazing. Um, and I lost that when I started doing edits for everyone else because it was like revision, do this, change this, skin doesn't look right. Like the skin thing was always happening. <laughs> um, so I, it became this monotonous, mundane task of a job and work. And I didn't have that creative expression outside of it. So I ended up just like, I literally got to a point where I just didn't want to pick up a camera anymore. My, my fiance is an amazing photographer and we used to shoot each other every now and then. And I just didn't want to pick up a camera anymore. I was like, I, had, I don't know if it was like a nervous system response. I was just like, yeah. And literally that was, I stepped away from that company. It could be like three years now and I still have a bit of resistance around it. So my, my thing, my outlet, my creative outlet was creating programs, courses, coaching. And that was the thing I started to lean into. So the burnout one is, is like, I don't feel like it's a tick the box. That's the answer for everyone. But I feel like if you do have that creative expression, especially as a creative, um, to make time and space for that. Yeah, we, we talked exactly about that with our last guest, um, Pandu. Um, leaving oneself space in terms of time and actual space to do your own stuff. You know, when you're a photographer, videographer, any type of content creator or creative, you end up taking jobs because you have to or often pay the bills. Yeah. And then you kind of get into that. Oh, okay. People are actually wanting me. And then, all right. So I'll take all the jobs I can get. I don't know when this is going to, how long this is going to last for. Right. So I'm going to mm. take all the jobs before you know it. I'm a year in, haven't had a break, haven't done my own work, my own passion projects. And you start to get down. You start to become unhealthy because you're always on the go. And you, like you said, you don't have that. You don't enjoy the process anymore because it's not for you. Mm. So I think, you know, what, what you've been saying for the last 20 minutes, a, a lot of it is about enjoying the process. Interesting to, when I asked you what drove you, you didn't, I was expecting to say helping people, right? But actually it's about 
um, the fulfillment of the process that you enjoy, you enjoy the most, finding something that you just want to get out of bed for every day that motivates you. Mm. Um, and I'm, I know you, you love helping people, obviously, but uh, I think certainly for, for the burnout thing, um, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's that easy to disassociate essentially money with doing what you want to do. Right. Because that's basically what you're saying is like, there's got to be a point where you don't take jobs because you're just going to end up chasing the buck all Mm -hmm. the time. Mm -hmm. And that's why a lot of the people I know who are busy with photography, they're they're chasing the paycheck Mm. rightly or wrongly or whatever the intent is. I can't blame them for that at all, but I don't know how these guys can disassociate enjoyment of the process with getting paid the the disassociation i'm also speaking to is like um when you deliver a project for a client and they go back and forth and it's like not good enough or this isn't done or like you need to be quicker it's like we can identify ourselves with how good we are as a person with our work and sometimes you're just not that happy with how a project's turned out and we can take that and attach that to ourselves right. okay but also what you said yeah i get it it's, it's really fucking hard like starting any business is super i think in australia the um small business like 70 percent of small businesses fail in the first three to five years or something crazy like that i'm, I'm sure it's a, a, close to that as a universal figure um the it's tough like and, it, and it's also understanding that the season of business you're in might not be the one you want to be in like you might want to have all that. We probably want to have all that free time to do your passion projects and have time for the family or relationships or health and all that. But there's also an understanding when you own a business that there will be seasons and there will be ebbs and flows where sometimes it's going to be an 80-hour week and you can fight against that and like bitch and complain and say, no, I don't have time for my own passion project right now, Mikel. What are you on about? Like, it's like, I, I get that. Like I've had businesses, like I completely understand that. But it's also like when you can get to a place of accepting like, hey, like this next four months is going to be a shit show and I'm going to be like uh, very overwhelmed with the amount of work I got coming up. Like when there's an acceptance to that, like it's like, okay, on the, on the end of this four months, then I can do something for that. Because I get like sometimes when you, you can hear things like this, you're like, you don't understand. There's just so much going on. It's like, yeah, I get that. But it's like, know that the thing like, a friend said to me this once, like when I came over here and got into business and the startup company and all that, I was complaining to him like, oh, we're doing 60 hour weeks, man. Like, like, okay, full transparency, getting paid a thousand dollars a month to have percentage shares in a company where we're all promised we're going to be millionaires in 24 months. That was the frame I was in. So it's like, whatever needs to be done, everything else falls aside. And I had like close to like, a, like, not, I wouldn't say a mental breakdown, but like the stress levels I was experiencing were like, I've never been there before in my life where I had to go away for a few days and just like completely decompress. It affected every aspect of my life, my health, my relationship, everything. So I know how stressful that can be. And yes, you can live for a thousand dollars US a month in Bali. Sure. Can you live the best life? No. <laughs> is one thing I think is difficult to realize when you're working so hard. Uh, let's say you are a photographer. Well, I want to keep coming back to that because this is photography first podcast, but if you're a photographer that's fortunately busy, um, 
it's difficult to realize the impact and the effect. You know, everything you talk about is as a wholesome person, right? You, you, you don't necessarily prioritize any facet of your life. Everything kind of is intertwined together. Personal life, relationships, finance, career, business, whatever it is. All, they all work with each other, right? Whereas I think it's really easy for us to go, well, my focus for the next six months is just work, right? And then everything, everything else falls by the wayside. It's really difficult to kind of tug yourself back in and, and understand that if you are going to prioritize work for the next six months, if you've got jobs and you're accepting jobs, back-to-back jobs, just know that it's likely going to impact your relationship or it's likely going to impact your health or it's likely going to impact your finance in a, in a good way probably, but then maybe you've got other stresses that come with that. So I think that's a pitfall that a lot of people, including myself, fall into. Um, again, I guess that comes back to awareness or education. It's difficult when you're in that, in that frame of mind. Well, the pit, what's the pitfall you're referring to? Like to when, forget when, about a lot of other things that are that are in your life. Yeah. Um yeah, I, I think a big thing with that is managing expectations, like internal and external expectations. Um, you have a partner, like, hey, babe, the next three months, we've got all this going on. So the date nights we do every week, maybe we'll just when when we can, we'll make it work. Because if we can manage the expectations externally, because it's a lot a lot of the times it's the unspoken things that create a lot of stress and tension, especially friendships, things like that. Someone's yeah. got a birthday dinner coming up. It's just like expressing all of that. You're like, okay, this is where I stand. This is where they stand. That's clear. But then they also the expectation on ourselves. It's like, look, we only have so many hours and so much capacity every single day. And we were speaking about this with you before. It's like you've taken on this, this new project with get the, the studio, the cafe, getting everything set up. But then you had all the other things you were still trying to do. It's like, yeah, okay. But like seasons, again, it's like this is a, a growing phase or a building phase. And when you're in a growing and building phase, sometimes the other things need to just get pushed aside and that's okay. And that's okay for a couple of months. But then also having the awareness as you go through to know, like awareness is essentially just, just being able to understand the difference between your thoughts and the actual reality of what's going on and your perception of them. And as you go through being knowing when to push and when to pull and be able to manage not only your your nervous system, your mental state, your emotional state, keeping your cup full in the things you enjoy doing, um, but to have this expectation that we need to, we have 10 boxes we're ticking every single day and then we put four more on and we have 14. It's like, oh, why aren't we doing the 14 now? It's like, well, because you already had 10. Like <laughs> there, there needs to be some kind of give and take. Um, and the, the thing I, the reason I keep saying seasons is, is just because it's come up so much with clients where like there's this, this expectation that everything should be where I want it right now, but you haven't moved through these phases yet. And I feel like that's very reassuring to people being like, when you understand what season you're in, it's like, oh, I just got through a breakup. I'm in a healing phase mm. right now. Mm. I'm not in a building phase. I'm not trying to build a relationship because this is the thing I need to do right now. And when you can, and this is what I speak about, seeing things clear of what they are. Like if you just start a business and you're looking at people online earning 100K a year in creative and you've just got your first couple clients, it's like, yes, but like 
you're not you're not in that optimizing phase of the business yet. You're just in a lead generation, like kind of figuring yourself out phase. So, um, yeah. I think a lot of it, in my experience with myself and with others, uh, again, I was having the same, the, the, the guy we had on the last, the last guest, he said exactly what I've experienced. He feels every day he's running out of time. So there's this, this finality to life, which is a fact, and no one lives forever. And that uncertainty of how long we're going to be healthy enough to do what we want to do, right? So for me, certainly, I mean, I'm older than you, but that it's certainly when I hit 40, it's like, fuck, it really, really affected me. No other birthday has ever affected me. It's like, ah, it's just, it's just another year, right? Yeah. And suddenly this, nu- this number, which is just an arbitrary number, comes, in, comes into my life. I'm like, fuck, I'm actually halfway through an average lifespan. I need to do more. I don't want to be regretting anything. I don't want to think, oh, I should have made more time for this, which I know is a fallacy, but it can't help run through a lot of people's minds. So do you, what is your advice to people? Certainly creatives. I know a lot of people feel like, I, I, I've got so many ideas. I don't have enough time to implement them all. I've got to do client work. But I want to do my own stuff and I want to build that and I want to do that. Entrepreneurs the same, right? All these mm. ideas, I want to do this never really probably doing anything really well because you're just doing that and doing that and I've got to do this, running out of time, fuck weekends, fuck social events, mm. fuck health sometimes, you know, just do it, do it, do it, do it. Yeah. How do we, how do we get, I'm asking you a really big question. How <laughs> no, do we, you know, some little tidbits, I guess, to get it, to get us away from that thought process. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of things on this. Um, one, it's like mistaken movement for progress. If I'm busy doing a thousand things every single week, like I'm productive, I'm, I'm good. It's like so many people will start their week or start the business or and not have clarity on the direction they want to go there, but not only clarity on the direction you want to go there, like why do you want to go there? Like <clears throat> we, we, we take these inputs from the world of what, and I was chatting with a client yesterday and he's, he started an econ business, right? And he's like, has the expectation in 10 weeks he wants to be making 10K a month, yet he's a plumber. And I'm like, how long did it take you to earn 10K a month as a plumber in your apprenticeship? He's like, three and a half years. I'm like, so why is the expectation 10 weeks in econ? Because you saw some kid online telling you he'd done it and he's selling yeah. you an econ course? Like, yeah, really? Um, so th- it's like, it comes back to that expectation um, with movement and progress. It's like, you can have giant expectation yourself cool that's a good driver goals yes but what's the clear game plan to get there someone wants to earn 100k a year okay what do you earn right now 2k a month okay well first of all how are we going to get to 3k and then from there so you can be busy doing all these different things but if they're not the things aligned with what you need to do then you're going to be chasing your tail for the full year and you can find you can hire a mentor you can read books you can there's they're like we're overwhelmed with information out there right so it's like picking an avenue and going with that whether that's working with someone whether that's just dming someone who you see has got success in the space you want to work in like i done that with um a guy who had about two and a half million followers um and i was like hey i have i literally done this when i picked up i'd probably six weeks into youtube tutorials editing i messaged him like hey bro 
right now. I have $15,000 in my bank account. I am walking away from my job in the next two months and I'm prepared to fly over to America and work, and work with you and shadow with you for, I've got enough money for three months. Anything you need, I'll get the coffees, I'll shoot, da, da, da. And he hit me back and they didn't have a space for me then. But it's like, that is the extent I was willing to go to get next to someone and in the, in the, um, the proximity of someone who was successful in the space I wanted to get to. So whether you read a book, podcast, invest all your money to go work with someone, whatever that looks like. Um, so it's mistaking movement for progress, getting really clear on the direction you want to go and moving, not planning and planning and planning yeah. and doubting and planning. Yeah. And um, the, the second part. Sorry, of, before you go on, who was that on, that you wanted to go and shout out? Um, Live Rich Media. Live Rich. Okay. He used to shoot like a lot of promo stuff okay. back in the day. I'm not really sure what he's up to okay. these days. Um, yeah. Sorry to interrupt. The second thing. No, no. Um, I think I've had too much coffee today, so I feel like I'm. <laughs> I feel like I've forgotten the second thing already. Fuck! I knew I should have um, interrupted him. <laughs> Sorry. No, no. The um. The, nah. <laughs> nah. <laughs> um, what was it? Good? Yeah, I feel like I want to do that with you. I, I'd love to come and not necessarily on a um, on a uh, professional sense. More like a, I'd love to just like soak up your energy. Certainly in the mornings, like I want to see your routine. I want to, do you know what I mean? It's, it's busy like, with dog. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like that's so important for a lot of people is set yourself up for the day that any kind of routine, um, we can maybe discuss the, the importance of a routine. I know your hero, Alex Hormozzi, I think I, I, I talked to you about this. He, he released this video and was like, basically, Fuck routines. Yeah. Right. It's when you said, but essentially, like for me, it's important. And I think that comes back to what we were saying earlier. Like if it works for you or you mm. feel like it's it's good for you, mm. do it. Right. Mm. Um, what is your routine? What is your mm. your maybe your morning routine? Oh, you're about to be so underwhelmed right okay. now. Um before we go to that, the point before, um, you're asking around when people like, you know, that need to be busy, 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 not enough yep. time. Don't mistake movement for progress. And the other one was um in life, you just, you choose your regrets. So like the, the analogy you used before was like when you've hit 40 and it's like oh, all this stuff I, I should have, could have, would have done. It's like, no matter what you do from here, you will have regrets on things you didn't do. So when you make a decision moving forward, it's like, Hey, if you start that business, know that you'll probably regret leaving the safety, security and comfort of that job. No, if you don't start the business, you will regret yeah. not taking a risk on yourself. If you start the business and you lose 100K and, or 20K or someone screws you over, you will regret doing that deal. So it's like, no matter what you do in life, you're not going to get out of it without regrets. So if you have that clarity around, and this is the movement of progress thing, if you have clarity around yourself and a deep understanding of what truly lights you up and what you truly want in the world, not what you're convinced you want online, because our reality is made up on the sum total of our inputs. Someone isn't born a Manchester United supporter. The family usually is, or they go for the opposing team because they're, they want to rebel, rebel against the, the family. So it's understanding that, like the things you want in life, start to question if it's really what you want or if that's because everyone around you wants that. Um, that's, yeah, that was that other point. So it's those two key things. Um, you will have regrets. And just make sure you're making the the moves you need to. That second point is, is is fascinating because 
um, especially in today's world, let's call it a social media driven world, right? We are so influenced. That's where the job title came from, influence, right? We're so influenced by what we see. Yes, people we speak to. Yes, books we read. Yes, TV. Yes, uh, media, ma mainstream media. Of course, all of that. Like the, there's commentary, there's opinions, there's censorship, all of that. But there's nothing seems to hit like social media does with individuals. I, and speaking from a photography aspect, uh, I, I think we've talked about this before, but it's, I fortunately have gotten over this and never really suffered from it that much. Um, but I know a lot of guys who do go and, and for some reason, a lot of females, there's this, there's something that goes on there, go onto social media, see something, it's envy, and then it leads quickly to some kind of level of depression or some kind of regret or some kind of unreal desires because you know, they look at other people and you see the best part of someone's life or in my case i see an incredible photo and i go fuck mm. why are they better than me mm. you know kind of thing and that's that if channeled correctly in my experience in my opinion can really be a great driver and it can be a real source of inspiration but i fear that the majority of times people at least to envy right so how, yeah. how and you, you touch upon that in your second point how how can we detach from that it's not a click of a button you know, I imagine not being on your device that much helps, yes. but it's it's an an addictive thing. It's proven to be a a, a dopamine delivery system. Uh, any advice there for people to? Yeah, I have. A, we're I have all a, human. I have a really funny piece of advice for that. Actually, um, when I first started coming over here to Bali, I would go to all these spots that people would shoot amazing photos, and then I got there, and when you look behind the lens, there's like 30 other people standing there, like impatiently sweating, yeah. waiting, frustrated, getting their shot. And um, anytime you see like content like that online, zoom out and picture yourself watching the people film it. And you'll see how ridiculous some of it is. Like TikTok dancers, for example, in, in like popular areas. Or oh, but like that, that photo that you see, it's like that the influencer took or whatever. It's like if you actually know that spot or if like you can zoom out and see what's going on behind the scenes to make that happen, it detaches yourself from the thing that's actually happening. You can see it's a fabricated, orchestrated event with the other stuff with the money and the lifestyle and all that one of the biggest things that helped me is like all these accounts online everyone including myself full transparency is looking to enroll you in their belief or perception of the world or sell you a product or a service i'm doing it from a place of like if you truly align with my shit and you feel like we're a good fit cool let's go let's work or there's the other side of it where people are very deceitful in what is the truth and the reality they're showing you to enroll you in their belief around the world. You can even tie this back to religion and everything or politics, or they're trying to sell you in a product or a service. And when you can look at it, this is like looking at it through of a market, more of a marketing lens, but when you can look at it through the lens of they're just trying to convince you of something, then you can understand, oh, this, like sometime, now not all the time, this isn't the truth of what's really happening in that person. Like this isn't just a regular Monday for them. This is orchestrated and positioned in a way to touch on points for you to follow or elicit an emotional response. That is something that's really helped me. And then also just the zooming out and envisioning yeah. that what's actually going on yeah. behind the camera. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Interesting. 
Hey guys, before I let you continue with the video, just indulge me for a few minutes. I want to briefly talk about my new brand, Yore. Founded with my business partner and photographic artist, Finn Matson, we're proud to bring you a new artisanal jewelry and specialty coffee brand. Yep, what on earth do they have to do with each other or anything at all? Well, they're both our passions. They've always been another artistic outlet for me, now for over a decade. So for those that know me, coffee has been my other obsession since I was young. And as a result of it, I'm a qualified SCA coffee specialist. So when I met Finn, some of you might have seen my podcast with him when we barely knew each other. Our love for art and jewelry had a home. And that home is here, House of Yore. Yore is, amongst others, an artisan jewelry label. And it's all about the art of intent for everything that we do. Our intention with Yore was to add a touch of celestial elegance and artistic expression to our visual narratives. Every jewelry piece is a statement, a reflection of your unique story and purpose. It's not just about jewelry, it's a wearable piece of art that speaks volumes. Picture this silver or gold adorned with an actual piece of lunar meteorite. That's right, straight from our moon, making every piece as unique as the moments that we usually capture through our lenses. From limited edition lunar jewelry pieces to finely crafted 925 sterling silver and gold rings, pendants and chains, there's something for all of you in our unique designs. We're also committed to the environment as much as possible. Our coffee is direct trade, organically produced and locally farmed, minimizing impact on the environment as much as possible. Our jewelry packaging is all sustainable and recycled, other than the moon rock, of course. Proudly eco-friendly in both packaging and jewelry production, you can feel good about looking good. And to top it off, we offer free worldwide shipping, ensuring that a piece of lunar beauty can grace your collection no matter where life takes you. And if you ever find yourself here in Bali, please come and visit us. Our cafe and community-driven art house is a haven for creatives just like you. So before we head back into the video, please just take a moment to explore Yore's collection. And as a special treat for you, my wonderful audience, Yore is offering an exclusive discount. Head over to our website and use the code below for a 10% discount off your jewelry purchase. The link and details are in the description. Anyway, thanks so much for listening and I'll let you get back to the video now. Tell us about your routine. The routine. Yeah, underwhelming. Um, we, we wake up in the morning around 6, 5.45 six i did try recently um saw some things online about just getting straight into work and experiencing a flow so i was getting up at 4 a.m going into a separate room and as i drink um my morning water and coffee i'll explain what morning water is in a sec i just work for an hour and a half i struggled with that i tried it for a week and i was like nah like not my thing um so now it's just wake up in the morning um we have in the house right now we have 12 dogs my fiance is an avid dog rescuer here in Bali. Yeah, she's incredible. Her, her Instagram is Skinsbrum, S-K-I-N-S-B-U-E-M. Yeah, we'll link plug, it as well. We'll link little it. plug. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we have six dogs. Uh, we fluctuate. Right now we have 10. Um, so that's what the house looks like. So the first thing I do in the morning is open the damn bedroom door so they can all run outside on the grass and do what they need to do. Um, we have a morning water every single day. Um, it is pink Himalayan salt, lime, it's potassium citrate, <laughs> magnesium. Um, it is creatine, glutamine, and 
vitamin D, K2, and B12. Wow. And that's that's our morning water. So we drink about 800 mil of that as soon as we get up, warm water as well. Um, and then we'll have a coffee. And it's interesting, man, because like I always, in the last, literally the last six months, I've started to dissolve this. I always had this morning stress, like feeling like I need, like, like it's like, okay, it's almost eight. Like I need to get up on the computer. I need to work. Like, come on, let's go. And this has just been an internal process for me. It's like, where does all this stress come from? Like, why do I need to be up there at eight? And I had this belief that I have a creative window from eight to 10. If I don't hit it, then I'm, right. I'm useless for the rest of the day. And I would then play that out and it'd be like 10. I'm like, uh, kind of I need another coffee now. Um, so what I've been doing is just allowing myself to, I'll start when I get up there, which has been working for me, has been working heaps better because I'm actually present and I enjoy the morning. Now, um, I choose to get to have the water and then have a coffee with Selena and we sit there for 45 minutes to an hour and have water and coffee every single morning and it is the one thing I feel like that keeps our relationship so good we like she's got so many things she's managing consistently with the dog rescues and everything and then I've got my own things with the business as well so that and then I saw our personal things like to just be able to sit and talk over a cup of coffee. I love coffee. I have like a mocha pot tattoo. So, like, did you enjoy the coffee today? I did. Okay, it was really good. Pass the test. It did. Um, that's me. Like water, coffee. We run the dogs anywhere from two to three rounds. So it's about four k's. Um, okay. So we'll run or walk the dogs, and then we come back in and get stuck into work. And then, so, so like, do, when is gym day? It's in the evening. Oh, it's right now. It's, it's, there's no whenever, stringent. Whenever. Yeah. It's kind of like in the middle of the day or at the end of the day. Um, journal, meditation. And then journaling has taken a bit of backseat um, for me right now. Um, Selena, I literally had the conversation yesterday um, that we're going to start meditating in the morning again, because for me, it's been, it's been a practice I've, I've put on the back burner and I'll do throughout the day. When I'm just in my office, when I want to take so a break. So journaling or meditation? Meditation. Meditation. When I want to take a break from calls. Got it. Um, whenever I go through like periods of being very overwhelmed with things, journaling has just been something that I think science has even shown that just getting information out of your head, yeah. is, like transferring it onto paper um, has been beneficial for me. And like to the extent of just taking myself out for dinner and grabbing a beer grabbing dinner and sitting there and just writing whatever comes up and comes through um, has been really beneficial for me. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, you talked about morning water and coffee. Um, yeah. I'm obviously coffee obsessed. Um, yeah. Check out House of Yore if you're in Bali. But the the whole, that part of my daily routine, we do exactly the same thing. It's weird. Mm. We don't have such a filled water experience. Yeah. I think we need to. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. need to find a place where we can get all this stuff from. But yeah. Sitting down with each other, we actually kind of write things down a little bit, chat to each other, and just enjoy coffee, mm. let the dogs run around. It's that is like my favorite part of the day. Well, by, like, by a long way. It's like why do we live in Bali? Like yeah. why do we choose why did we move here? Like yeah. for me, I don't know about you, and I'd love to hear from you. For me, it was like freedom. And I didn't realize the levels of freedom I'd get coming over here sure it's a lot cheaper to live and you can still live a healthy lifestyle but like my freedom of thinking and like i wasn't like kept in this box of how to think and who to vote for and all this kind of stuff um for you like why did you move here um very similar 
But I think when we moved from the UK to Hong Kong, that was one of the big drivers initially. And then we got our fix of like, oh yeah, there is, you know, we can choose our own path much easier, even though we could have done in the UK. But again, like you said, you're just you're kind of dictated to, and there's this structure to your life where you, most people just kind of move through one step to the next step. And that's just, that's just the way it is. Mm. That's just life. Yeah. No, it isn't. Um, but yeah, d- definitely here, um, we wanted to, f- I guess, find something a little bit more, I, I want to say spiritual, but I don't really mean that. But freedom of thinking definitely uh, came into it. Freedom of movement. Mm. Um, we never really want to be stuck in one place all the time. And Indonesia was certainly for my photography was a good place to just almost like a European type of thing where an hour's flight away is, is, is paradise. Mm. So we, and cheap and all of that stuff comes into it. Um, but actually we were talking about this earlier, the last kind of six months here have been stressful in ways we didn't think it would be. Um, mainly with the noise and the, the the busyness, we moved to an area that was quiet when we moved. Deliberately, we want, didn't want to be in the hustle and bustle. And now it's just crept. The hustle and bustle just crept closer and closer to, to where we live. And now it's be- it's just becoming a bit of an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we wanted to move here really for... Freedom definitely came into it, but peace, essentially. Yeah. We came from Hong Kong where we had... We lived in the countryside. We had great space and for Hong Kong, but it was still a city. It was still identified as city and you go into the city and it's just, it's like New York. It's just fucking yeah. pollution, noise, busyness, which a lot of people love. Um, we've never been that, that type of people. So when the opportunity came up to move, we, Bali was top of the list because we, we kind of knew it. We knew it was peaceful. We knew there was something there we wanted to explore in a kind of spiritual sense. Mm. And it was yeah, cheap great for photography mm. all of that kind of combined but freedom is an interesting point for you to bring up because i wanted to ask you what what your goal is if you know we, we've been through purpose modules before and um i i don't know whether i i don't know whether i continue to believe in the concept of purpose um it's really, really helped me being able to sit and define and almost come up with a purpose, but realize it. It's always inside. Why should purpose be a thing? And are our goals important to set amongst that kind of purpose identification? Purpose is the the comfort. Purpose is the compass to really find fulfillment in the things we love doing in life um if you have no and it can be a very confusing subject for a lot of people i I understand that um but it's like some days you will wake up you will tick off your to-do list and your head will hit the pillow at the end of the day and you'll be like wow i just feel great today like it was like a really fulfilling day look at those days why what were the actions? What were the things you done to or experienced to have yourself in that place of feeling fulfilled and complete at the end of the day? Usually it will be because in some aspect of your day, 
you've really aligned yourself with your soul's desires. And we go through the purpose module. It's like, once you can look back on your life through a lens of all the things you are naturally pulled to in life, your purpose is normally found in things that people don't have to remind you of, that you naturally just wake up and do every single day. You're genuinely just pulled towards as a very broad idea of what purpose is. The problem is the judgment around what it should be. This this purpose conversation has been so extrapolated to like it needs to be like curing cancer yeah, or housing a thousand kids in Africa. No, it doesn't. Like there are people living out their purpose and you're not even aware they're doing it. There's a guy, I'm, I'm a big basketball guy, so uh, Jimmy Highroller on YouTube. He literally will just break down statistics and data from past basketball games and players and create YouTube content around that. I don't know the guy, but he genuinely loves basketball. He genuinely loves statistics and data. And he's turned, he's monetized that into something that aligns with his soul's desires. So, like, and you can look at this through the lens of so many people. So, if you are clear on your purpose, you will have a, a clearer guide on how to get to the things that really genuinely fulfill you in life. And I feel like, you know, people get to an age of 35, 40, 50. The reason people blow out into these midlife crises is because they've been head down working in what they should be doing. And they've assigned to the idea of how life should be when it goes against everything they really want to do. So there's this amazing amount of, and especially with men, there's this amazing amount of suppression and repression of what they truly want to do in life. And then it manifests it way in, you know, buying the convertible car or breaking up with the wife or whatever the whatever the fuck. You know, you fill in the experience or thing. Um and if you if you have no awareness around the things that genuinely light you up in life and you don't include them in your life, there will be a back end to this. Whether you want to ignore it or not, like it will show up. That voice, that internal voice that you hear when you're slaving away in an office cubicle and you fucking hate doing that, that voice just gets louder and louder. And it can turn its way, it can turn itself into so many different things in life. So, you know, your your purpose, like it can it can literally be as small as walking dogs. You can just love dogs. Okay, like volunteer once a week or create a business around it. Like it's so important for people when they do, when they go through certain processes will give you a really nicely articulated paragraph or sentence that my purpose is to live with the highest alignment, blah, blah, blah. But it's not really anything. When you do one that is actually tangible, then it's like, okay, now I can apply this to my life and actually get fulfillment from it instead of trying to just live from a value all the time. So it's just important for people to have awareness around that because like, why, why do you get out of bed in the morning? You know, like, why does everyone get out of bed in the morning? And when you can answer that question, then you can start moving into the direction of like, well, how can I, if, if I get out of bed in the morning, every single morning, because I want to have a bigger impact in the world. Okay, cool. Well, like, how can you start moving in that direction? That's kind of off the, off the line of purpose a little bit, but it's just important for people to know so that you can experience the fulfillment you you want in life because if it's not aligned with you and you keep doing it you're not going to be fulfilled by it how do people know when they should get help mm. 
yeah, that's good. Um, I feel like because the the help, like when when people should get help, because there's there's a few different like reasons why people will reach out to um, therapists, psychologists, mentors, coaches. Um, and they can be at any different level, whether it's like completely struggling down and out or like, Hey, things are going well. I just want them to be a lot better. Um, I feel like people should always reach out when they feel like there's more potential they're not reaching. And that could be, I feel completely bogged down and anchored down and I don't know. And I procrastinate. I don't know where to start. I'm lost. I'm confused. Yeah. Reach out, but also reach out with the, the intention of, I'm going to see what's here for me. And if it doesn't feel like it's in alignment, not saying yes to it. I feel like a lot of people might like go go to their first session with a psychologist and like you don't have to continually go back to that person if it doesn't feel or they jump on a call with a coach and they might want to like sign up to a program. It's like if it doesn't feel right for you, like speak to a few people. You know, if you're going to get your roof renovated, you don't go with the first quote. You go and get a few quotes or not. I don't want to minimize our self and our mental health to renovating a roof, but that's just it. Like have some conversations with different people in different spaces and see what really aligns and resonates for you. When people should get help, it's like, it's, it's, it's just so dependent on where you're at. I feel like if, if you want to do be and have more or get out of this rut, you should always have that conversation, whether you're ready to make that decision or ready to invest, or like the time, energy, money, whatever that is, that's going to be dependent on the person. But if you feel like your your mental and emotional health is affecting you showing up in your relationship, your physical health, your work, your job, then that is definitely an indicator and a clue to reach out to someone. And it doesn't have to be an expert in the space. It could be a friend. Mm. It can be a group of friends. It can be just asking a quality question of like, you know, um, what has your experience been of me the last few months? Because for me, I've been in like a really bad place. Like what, what, what changes have you seen in me? Like seek reflection in friends. And it's really important to set the frame in things like this. Like, hey, um, you're someone I really truly value as a friend. And I feel like I've been struggling the last few months. Um, do you have a few minutes or can we put a few minutes aside? I just really want to just like unpack this and have a conversation with you around this. That sets the frame and tonality for something completely different for like, hey, I've been struggling lately. Um, the person's like, oh yeah, but you know, we all struggle. Like, come on, like, let's go. Like if you can set the frame and set the intention in a conversation like that, it'll really open up a lot more space. And why I share this is sometimes the thought of reaching out to someone, an expert or a professional or whatever can be fucking daunting. Yep, means you're admitting that you've got a problem. Yeah, it's like, no, no, no. <clears throat> I, I don't need to reach out to anyone. Yep. That means I'm broken and wrong and yep. shit needs to be fixed. Um, you don't have to start there. You can start by just having a conversation with someone. And <clears throat> if you don't feel like you have, I feel like the next question you're going to have is like, if you don't feel like you have those those people in those circles, like actively seek them out. If you don't have them, well, I can't magically make them appear for you. And that might sound kind of harsh, but like, like I said, conversations, books, books is your gateway to a different type of conversation with someone who's more experienced in that space or actively seek out people. Yeah. I'm, journal, diary. Yeah. If, if there's not, and I know it's helped me a lot, but I mean, I feel 
there there is a tr- there is a um, there is a point. Uh, I just w- I just worry. I mean, the statistics say more. I, I, I say it all. I read I read one of a few weeks ago, um, UK specific. I don't know about the globe, but um, every ninety minutes in the UK, someone commits suicide. Seventy five percent of them are men, mm. and no, th- there's been a lot of conversation as to why. Um, and this is very applicable to you because you're you're a men's coach. I think of those people because I've been there myself that that are either too proud, you know, why are men not talk not as talkative or not as open or not willing to go and talk to other people as say maybe women are that the evidence supports that. My anecdotal experience supports that as well. Um why do you think that is because that that is that first step to talking to someone, I totally agree with you. I went through three psychologists before I found you. Um, they were expensive and they just, I didn't feel there was any connection. It was a transaction. It was just a transactional nature. It was, you go an hour, that's it, off you go. And I know that was very similar with you, but you, you were always there and there was a program, there was structure and there was, there was much more support. It was felt it was a lot more integrated and involved. But that first step of, of me sitting on the side of my bed bawling my eyes out almost on a daily basis, I was able to recognize that, fuck, I, this, I, I, what the fuck is going on? I, this is uncontrollable. I don't know what's going on. Mm. Very fortunate to have a, a, an amazing wife who also saw, you're not right. You need to get help. Going out. Took me a long time. But I, I feel for those, those men, especially who, who don't want to admit that, don't know where to go, stiff up a lip, which is, is prolific in the West, especially in the UK. It's like, oh no, it's fine. Just get on with it. Mm. Parent, parental peer pressure, especially generational pressure. You know, I have a conversation with my mum. She just doesn't identify with with mental health really. And when she says she does, she really doesn't. Mm. Um, and I can't blame her for that. I think it's fortunate. It's becoming more of a a, a, a public awareness and ed- educational thing these days still a long way to go but my my question is why why do men have that problem with that first step there there is a clear issue there with men taking that first step to go and get help Mm. um my belief around this is that they've never learned that it's safe to have those conversations uh many men have been in experiences where they feel an emotional state and you know we can wind it back to you know just the man up conversation yeah and you never get to complete that cycle of that emotion so you suppress and repress and you might be in friendship groups the same thing and it gets deflected it gets turned into humor humor is a lot of the time a deflection for a conversation that's wanting to be had um you may have heard the the Mm. saying the truth is always said in jest you know oh she'd date me but i'm not six foot you know (laughs) it's like no you genuinely think that um so maybe that's just my thing (laughs) because We spoke about this earlier where I did ask a girl out when I was in primary high school. And she said I was too short, but I'm still holding on to that. <laughs> um, the, the You've mentioned is, it twice today, by the way. I'm just yeah, saying. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. Um, they, were, they were necessary in the conversation <laughs> on the talking point. Um, it's just like, yeah, back to men not feeling safe to have that conversation because they haven't had the community. They haven't had the network. They haven't had that level of conversation they've been exposed to before. So when it comes time to do that, they, someone might be a safer place and they just verbally vomit 
everything on them because they go, oh, finally, I can just, ah, everything. Okay, now what? Um, and not having the tools, not having the tools to yeah. understand when it is actually your your thoughts, like your beliefs, or if you've grabbed onto someone else's or you've made it mean something. Um, having the tools, like I shared before, how to, how to set the frame in a conversation. Like, this is something that's really important to me and it's really hot on my heart right now. It's been really weighing me down. I'd like to have a conversation with you around it compared to like, oh, bro, I'm sad. And then a guy comes from a logical place of like, how can we fix and solve where women are very much more nurturing and process orientated. Men are just like, we, we want a solution. We want a logical end goal. Yeah, that's a great point. Not, not black and white. Like not everyone's like that. Um, so when a friend presents you a problem, the other guy is just going to be looking at a solution. Well, yeah. like, why are you sad? What do you do that's like, what makes you happy? Okay, do that. Yeah. Where sometimes that's not the solution we need. It's sometimes just the process of being heard and understood. Um, yeah, and I feel like that's very much the reason why, like, men suppress and re- The analogy I use is you envision a, a swimming pool and you put a beach ball on the top of it and you press that emotion or that feeling down, you're going to press it so far that eventually that beach ball is going to fire in a different area. What does that look like? Sex, porn, drugs, alcohol, um, YouTube, video games, um, food, like whatever that is. It, I do all of those things. <laughs> it's, um, and this, this is a really interesting thing for people to, to, to understand as well, um, that all these coping and distractions or numbing devices are just the wrapping to an internal experience that you might have different, the exact same experience, but different wrapping. Like one person might be um, completely like a full-blown alcoholic, where someone else might be completely addicted to sugar. But the internal feeling is the fact that they're really overwhelmed and stress and that is their way to soothe themselves. Um, it can be, and it can be so many different internal complexes, yet the wrapping paper of it, sometimes we can just demonize and somewhere just like, oh no, that's okay. That isn't a big deal. When it can be the exact same thing. It's just what behavior have we learned to manage and repress this emotion? Now, I'm not saying guys should all cry together and hug and all of this, but there needs to be the tools given to men just to be able to have a conversation, just to be able to explain, like for guys, explaining an emotion can be like explaining a color sometimes. Like yeah. how do you explain the color blue to someone? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like if they can have the tools and they can have the resources to be able to just initiate a conversation like that, I bet they'll have a lot of friends that really will have that conversation with them. And through that, that is the process of just understanding each other on a different level. And then you find out most of your friends yeah. have this thought and understanding as well. And when you find out that it's like Ben isn't just the super happy guy on yachts and house parties on his Instagram is actually so much more depth to him and you experience the exact same thing, then you're like, oh, like I'm not alone in this. And that is a very comforting thing to learn about other people and yourself as well. Yeah, I feel um, being alone, especially this time of year, um, Slightly different to loneliness, but I guess they're conflated a lot of the time. Um, an antidote to that can be 
not just having a safe space to talk, but having another party be able to at least provide some empathy or understanding. It's, that's certainly what I was craving was an element of understanding from, from someone. It makes you feel less alone, right? It makes you feel a little bit more connected with society, connected with people. I, I, I hate to throw another just kind of general question on you, but you know, we, we, we talked about purpose, fulfillment, all, all of kind of what we talk about and, and I definitely don't want to surmise kind of what you do as a profession just with one thing, but all of what we do when we wake up in the morning, what we do with our lives, how we spend that time that we have essentially is to get towards the goal of happiness, right? So I feel like sometimes people find it difficult to define what happiness means for them and therefore everything else that underlines that is is lost essentially because there's no there's no kind of higher not goal but everything like purpose and fulfillment and creativity and what you like to do in the mornings your routine your habits the people you hang around with the books you read everything kind of all of that fills into this huge goal of I just I want to be happy in life right it, am I correct in having that very generic assumption and if so how do people identify I guess what happiness means to them mm. um, a couple of things in that I, I don't think you find happiness I think you create happiness like happiness is a byproduct of doing things that generate happiness you don't just be happy um and also the goal to be happy I, I don't think that should be the goal because it's like it's a fleeting emotion and feeling that you're never going to hold on to for a long period of time okay so like if if the goal is to wake up and be happy yeah we can we can um toxic positively our way into i'm grateful that i dropped the coffee on my foot so now i get to wear a different pair of shoes like you can <laughs> Rinse and repeat that to yourself. But I don't think happiness should be the goal. Like, it it comes to a point of, like, being able to enjoy all aspects of life. And I know that can sound really fucking difficult. But to enjoy the resistance and frustration and work it takes to build a business or get to that next level in, in your goal, to enjoy that challenge, be like, oh, what is this asking of me more now? Um, the, the happiness thing is it's forever moving and changing and ebbing and flowing. Like one of the things I've learned through sitting, um, a, a few Vipassana retreats now, which is a hundred hours of, of silent meditation, uh, no talking, a very, very restricted diet, ma mainly vegan based about 800 calories a day you eat, um, for 10 days with no eye contact, no communication, nothing like you get to sit and be with yourself in every imaginable scenario in life, which includes experiencing every sensation or emotion coming through you. And what you learn in this practice is to, to stay as what they know as equanimous, non-reactive to things coming through. And if you can get yourself to a place of being present with where you're at, like um, Eckhart Tolle, the, the book, The Power of Now, like Anxiety lives in the preconceived notion that something 
negative is going to happen in the future. Like that's, it's when you future pace things, you're concerned about what's going to happen. And then when you look in the past, your perception of those events being negative can also create that negative interpretation for you. So the way to dissolve these these emotions and feelings is to be able to bring yourself back to the present. If we if we have a a line across the page and one end is past and one end is future and the middle is the present right now, well, the only reason you have looked at past events and thought that was a bad experience in your life is just because you're not aware of the positive effect. Yeah, you ever like go through a relationship and then five years later you're like, oh, I'm so glad I met that person because they like they rears they either showed me what I don't like in a person or they showed me a lot about myself or that business opportunity or like whatever the hell that was. And it's like, okay, well, when it all went sour, it was the worst thing that's ever happened. But yet three years down the line, it's a positive experience. So what is it? Was it positive or negative? Mm -hmm. It's like, it's neither. It's neutral. You have to label it. So when we can look at that as ourself right now, the, the experience of you being like, lonely in three years from now might be the exact thing you needed to create space and time and understanding and compassion for yourself to understand yourself on a deeper layer to work through the things that eventually set you up for something in three years so you being lonely right now positive or negative like and this is this is the thing about like happiness and stuff as well like these are all good emotions but how you interpret them can define your sense of self and reality. And this is like, this can sound a bit broad and maybe convoluted. Um, but when like the ego wants to attach itself to an emotion and label it good or bad, positive or negative. And a mentor taught me this once, literally when I was going through a breakup, I was on construction sites every single day by myself on a, like a remote house, just me doing that one. And I said, I, I, said, I just feel so alone. Every day I'm out here, I'm just so fucking alone. I was drinking like five, six coffees a day just trying to get, because I'm a subcontractor, right? So I get paid per meter I do, and I didn't want to do anything. <laughs> so I'm on site eight hours a day, not getting paid much. So I'm just so alone. And he just hit me with like, you're never by yourself. You're always with yourself. And when that landed, I was like, fuck, I just really don't like the company I'm keeping right mm. now. I'm so like, I'm so caught up in, judging myself and beating myself up for all the things that I should have, could have, would have done. When I was able to reframe, I'm never by myself, I'm with myself, when I started showing up differently, and that's what I mean, like the actions created the happiness. I didn't just become happy. I'd done things that made me happy. So the conversation around like, is the goal to attain happiness? I don't think so. Um, but it's also important. Okay, Mikel doesn't think that, but like, I think the biggest thing I can leave you with or someone listening to this with that is to understand that don't get so caught up with what you deem to be a negative experience right now because there's a high chance that there is guaranteed a chance that somewhere along the line that will be beneficial to you in whatever context that is. So do you think a lot of the problem is how we label things? Because you say the word loneliness and immediately people... I mean, we've all been lonely. Everyone has been lonely at some point in their lives. I'm sure of it. And you feel like you're suffering, right? It's, it's, a, it's a suffering emotion that we label as negative. 
it's very difficult when you're in that space and going through that to start thinking about, oh, well, maybe this eventually is good for me and maybe I can learn something about myself, be with myself and not be by myself. You know, it's just it's just difficult. I mean, obviously, it's easy it's super, to say. Yeah, super difficult. Yeah, I'm not going to yeah, like paint no. like paint it like no, no. Be thankful for feeling <laughs> shit. Like you feel shit. Like, but the the avoidance of feeling shit is isn't going to be the thing that helps you get through it. Yeah. So the problem really is, or not problem, but the the difficulty we find ourselves in is mainly due to the language we use. I mean, define happiness. It's like defining success, or it's like it's just a word. What that means is anyone's guess. Essentially, every different culture has their probably their own definition of if happiness even exists, let alone their definition of it. Right. So, I think that's that's a really tough lesson to learn because as humans, we always feel like we're chasing something. Mm. What is that? Well, it's it's more money. Okay, but why? Why do you want more money? Oh, because it would make me happier. Mm. Why would it make you happy? What does that mm. mean? Is it blah, blah, yeah. blah, and just goes on and on and on. And you end up reaching 60 and you're like, where the fuck did my life go? And was I happy in any of it? What mm. does that mean? So it's it's just another, maybe I'm just speaking from personal experience, it's just another thing that that makes all of this quite confusing at times, right? And yeah, and this is where you step in is to provide just a bit of clarity. Like push all this shit aside, try not to worry about it, try not to label it, easy, I guess, easier said than done. Mm. Um. What about you? I mean, I don't really want to ask this question now, but this is a question from our previous guest. And this question was, are you happy with your life right now? And maybe that is a valid question to ask with the context of happiness in there. Hmm. Um, I pass it to you. You know, are you happy with your life right now? Yeah. Yeah, very much so, man. Um, when we spoke before about when I used to be on construction sites and all that kind of thing, like it's for me, so much of it is perspective and the person I've had to become to get out of these places and spaces. Um, I, it, it's so easy to look in the future and be like, I like, you know, when you talk about, you see someone take a photo and it's like, oh, like, I want to be at that skill set. I want to be at that level. Um, but literally just in the last two months, I, I felt so much acceptiveness and ground, um, being grounded in what I've done and who I've become. And that, is the after effect of doing the things I said I was going to do. Um, and I feel like the thing that gives me happiness is one of the things we very much speak about inside the programs is like honoring our word and honoring my word on every aspect allows myself to experience and be in that space. So the long-winded answer to that would be yes. Man, happy for you. Yeah. If I said the words, and we're going to get to the project in a minute because I do want to talk about that. Um, something I I definitely haven't invented this, but I like to use this phrase. And I'm trying to introduce it to to people and people out there is mindful photography. And it sounds a little bit a little bit tacky and a little bit trendy because meditation and journaling, podcasting, it's all it it can be. Um, demonized a little bit. It can be, you know, part of a trend, but there's there is this source of um, of benefit to to all of these things if you just see through all the shit that gets put out there. And this mindful photography thing, and we we'll touch upon photography very very shortly right now. But 
if I said to you, mindful photography, what comes into your your mind when when I say those two words? Um, to me, it would be like presence and connection with the subject you're shooting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think I, I, what I'm trying to get um, across is that photography and creativity doesn't always have to just be um, uh, a very introspective practice, right? I mean, some people work with teams, but often photographers, especially, it's kind of an in- individual pursuit. Yeah, you, you know, if you do jobs, you often have team or helpers, but that person, there aren't two people pressing that shot, mm. right? It's it's just a person has a creative vision. What's really helped me, and and um, this has actually has nothing to do with meditation, just but but mindfulness with what you're doing at any point of the day, but especially with an output like photography, uh, it's really really benefited me and. Um, and I just wanted I just wanted to throw that out there. It's just just you were talking about being present. Um, again, easier said than done. Be in the moment. All these kind of little catchphrases, uh, but it's it's really difficult to do to be able to step back and and be aware of okay shit. This is this is what's going on right now, and it's try not to label it good or bad, but it just is what it is, right? Yeah, and that is the work that is forever going ongoing never ending like if if you want to like uh, i was I, I posted this on my instagram like i don't know a few months ago i was on a run and it was call it a download or whatever but it's like it's literally like all personal development all therapy psychology coaching all of that is boiled down to like one framework which is like input Input being an external event happening in life or input being a thought, feeling, or emotion that comes up. And then story, the story we give that, whatever that is. And then that becomes a belief. And then from that belief, we take our identity. Input, um, driving in the car with your parents, daughter's singing in the back seat, mum yells at her saying, you're a terrible singer, don't stop singing. Input, story, I'm not good at singing. Belief, I'm a bad singer. Identity, I'm someone who doesn't sing. Like, that is where it can start. So, so we just blame our parents. Essentially, yeah. It's the, it's the easiest and best way to do it because there's, there's no responsibility in anything then. <laughs> Don't blame your parents, on, <laughs> on, on, especially on Christmas. Um, yeah, and then input, like sensation, emotion, feeling can come up. And then if you actually like can zoom out, and that's a really good perspective thing, like, to disassociate yourself from how you're currently feeling or the story you're telling yourself and zoom out and look at that, then you can start to interpret what's actually happening. And this is hard, like, because we get so caught up in our cycles, patterns, routines all the time. Like, I'm not everything I'm saying today, I don't walk off this podcast and float down the stairs <laughs> into my perfect abyss of life. Like, I struggle and like am forever trying to overcome my internal thoughts, beliefs, and internal critic as well. Well, and even the most enlightened Buddhists uh, suffer in in some respect. No one's no one's free of suffering, are they? No, no. Well, like the Buddha himself said, life is suffering. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um. Is we're coming to the end. I promise. Um. Is self care, personal development a selfish practice is it a selfish practice i.e 
a lot of what we try to work on with ourselves mm. can be, in my opinion, considered just for ourselves, mm. right? Without remembering that actually saying no to a party that we don't want to go to because I won't enjoy it. And if I don't enjoy it, it takes away the time from what maybe I can do that will better me. And therefore, down the road, maybe help my relationships or help me be a better person and give back. Do, do, do you know, kind of know what mm. I'm saying there? It, I have conversations with people all the time. One of my friends sat downstairs, had this conversation with them yesterday. Feeling guilt of spending more time on yourself is normal or it is apparent in many people, right? So it's, it's difficult to spend two, three, four hours, sometimes all day working on yourself, whatever that might be, even at a, a meditation retreat, 10 hours every day for 10 days, fuck everyone else, right? It can kind of, does that ever enter your mind? And if so, how do we get past that? I, I think the most important thing is to find what being selfish is. Like if we start with that, um, I would, the association I would have with being selfish would be um, putting my priorities above others. Yeah, I don't know what the Oxford Dictionary. Yeah, I would um, define it by that as well. Is of that. So, like, and being selfish can be seen as a very broad, like, a bad thing to do. But the example you've just given is like, okay, you can be selfish and not communicate any of that, like, just ghost people on text, not show up to birthdays, do all of that, or you can take ownership and responsibility in that and be like, hey, like this week or this month, like I'm not going to be coming to any social events because I've got some stuff I'm building or things I'm working on. Like two exact same situations, but if it's communicated and the frame is set in a certain way, one's okay and one's not, yet it's the same action. So I, I feel like it, yeah, like doing your own personal work and stuff is selfish, but like what's the intention on the back end of that? Like it's, you're looking to better yourself so you can be a better person in the world for the things that truly excite you, excite you and light you up. Like no one should have the right to strip that away from you unless you have responsibilities in the world where you need to show up for certain things, a relationship, a family, things like that. Um, you have responsibilities in life. But like I wouldn't, I wouldn't label being selfish as bad because there's so many nuances that mm. need to come into play to see the actual situation of it. But again, it's, it can be confusing because sometimes one feels like they should do certain things to make to make either other people feel happy, yeah, happier, or to make themselves feel like, oh, you know, I should really go to that social event because it would be good for me, yeah, kind of thing. Without again, it's that clarity, yeah, to to an awareness of what is best for me right now and therefore the extended circle in which I'm in and potentially if you want to take it further, humanity in general, right? The, the should is just such a difficult one, yeah. man. Like we, we should, there's so many things we should but but, but, can, be but then you can't always go with your heart. Your mm. head something kind of has to come into it as well. Mm. I guess my point is it, you know, just go on the project and get some clarity tell us <laughs> tell us about you know everything we talked about for the last couple of hours really is wrapped up and you know we've just touched the surface and i know you, you you know most of these answers you've given are so impossible to 
relate to specific individual humans yeah. and the nuances that are wrapped up in everyone's life and issues. But you found a way to package all that up successfully, I might add, into what you call the project. Do you want to share a little bit about what that is, how people can get involved if they feel like it might help them? For sure. The project is, look, the, the simplest way I can explain it is um, you want to build your life. And if you were to envision building a house, you know, you put the frames up. If you give the carpenter a paintbrush and he goes to build those frames, no matter how badly he wants to build that life, he's not going to get very far. So it's just equipping men with the correct tools they need to build the life they want to build as a very high level. How we do that, awareness, understanding who we truly are on the deepest of levels, getting clarity around that direction and then moving. We can't make decisions from a place if we don't have clarity around who we are and what we truly want. Otherwise, we're mistaking movement for progress. We're just filling, we're ticking the boxes and moving through life. And then we get to 50 and we're like, what the fuck happened? The next part is um, integration, action and integration. It's great. Awareness is the first step for everything. Amazing. Yes. Now what? So we move into things known as, which you would have experienced, experiential learning. Now you know these things about life, how you're applying them in life. And once you apply them, what is the result of that? Because the idea of something can very, be very different than actually doing it. So we apply that, we get direct results, and that's how we get the, the you, you know you should be eating healthy. You know <clears throat> you should be saving 10% of your money and investing it in the S&P. You know, like you know, we know everything we should be doing, but you don't understand it because you haven't had the experience of it yet. We know we want to start a business, but when you start a business and you realize how fucking hard it is, oh, you understand when you look at that person who is absolutely crushing it in business, what they've had to be through now mm -hmm. in every asset, relationships, health, finance, all of it. And then the last part is relationships. And that's not relationships with others. That's also the relationship with ourselves. We do things like shadow work, cognitive behavioral therapy. We work through all of these. So by the end of the program, not only do you have the tools for that period of life, but then for life as well. These should be reference points that people check in for the rest of their life that help them throughout every situation. Down and out, getting back on top. On top, want to get to the next level. It's for all areas of that. So that's very the high level of what I do. Um, I guess this is where I say if people want to reach out to me, do it. They can find me on Instagram. Your spaces? Yeah. Um, Instagram, Mikel.K, M-I-K-E-L-E.K. That's essentially my main channel on there. Um, I've recently, I start dropping um, two emails, one to two emails yeah, a week, um, going in depth on, I get to go a bit deeper and unpack my usually caffeinated thoughts um, and concepts and teachings that I've either applied in my life or worked with clients as well. Completely free email. I drop every single week. Um, you can find all my content on there. On an entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial level, what does the future look like for you or what do you want the future to look like for you? Or does that not enter? I mean, you must have some kind of plans. I mean, my immediate thought with you and your amazing program is that it's, there is capacity, right? There's only one Mikel. There's only a certain number of hours in the day. Does that enter your plans as to expand in, in some way or another? Mm. Yeah, but probably not down the avenue you'd think. Okay. Um, I had this conversation two days ago with Selena. Um, I'm not sure if you've you've heard of Parkinson's law. No. P 
Parkinson's law, law is the belief that time, uh, work will fill the time allowed for it. So you have a, an assignment due in a month, you will cram <laughs> the two days before because you allowed the space for it. You have a job where you work 40 hours a week and the manager's only giving you a few tasks, you will spread those tasks. If you have a deadline, they need to be finished today, you will have them done. So work will always expand to the time allotted to it. I had this conversation with Selena a couple of days where I spent yesterday, Monday, yeah, putting this together where I want to build my business out so I'm working 25 hours a week and increasing the income from it. So no, I don't want a team of 12 or 15. Like I, I don't want that. I want to create systems and structures and a, a platform and way to deliver content to people and my clients where my life, I spend 25 hours a week working. And like, this isn't saying like I'm halfway to retirement. It's like, no, no, how can I structure my 40-hour week and put it into a 25? And now the fact I only have five hours a day, five days a week, I need to be very, very efficient and impactful with my time yeah. because I've only got five hours and being very strict on that. Because the belief that we should work 40 hours a week, five days a week is just a narrative we've bought into. So I'm like, how can I construct things to be different? So it was retirement, right? Yeah. I mean, um, the Japanese language, the word retirement doesn't, doesn't exist. exist. So it's, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, these are all social constructs. I, yeah. I talk about this with people all the time. So it's, but the belief systems that we have are just based off made up constructs that mm. someone made up 50, 100, 200 years ago and, and beyond, right? Yes. That doesn't mean we can't rip it apart or change it or adapt it to, to what we want. Well, good luck. Um, it's been an absolute honor to have you on the show. It's been a thank you for making the, the journey all the way up here. I know it's been um, been a while in the making. Really appreciate your time and uh, look forward to working with you until whenever, right? It's it's an ongoing process, but um, thank you from the bottom of my heart for changing my life. And um, yeah, I'll always be appreciative of it. So thank you for coming on today. Merry Christmas. And we're going to end with um, kind of a little tradition. A little lucky dip with these conversation cards. So, um, yeah, pick away. And this will be the final question of the show. Are there any prizes in here? Or is no. it just like, like it's like an Oprah special. I'm going to check under it. my seat and you know, have something. Okay. What is one thing you regret not saying to somebody and why didn't you say it? So I regret not saying to somebody, and why didn't I say it? So the first thing that comes up for me is like someone that that person's gone because it's like I didn't say it, and now. Oh uh, right, okay. and then and then the other thing that comes up for me is like um, they might be listening to this. Um, the one thing I regret not saying to somebody is someone I was in a previous business with. Um, that I feel like they emotionally nip manipulated me in a way to get what they wanted for the business and didn't put my needs um, and values at the highest point. And in reflection and time, pulling myself away from that environment, I very much seen how fucked up it was um, and why I didn't say it because I was so enrolled and convinced that the narrative and box they put me in was true about myself. And it took me 
getting out of there over a long period of time to be reminded that that isn't me and I'm so much better than the box I was put in. Why did you believe that box that you were put in? It's because the ex- the externalities, because telling the environment that yep. was created around it. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. Thank you again. Um, I hope you have a wonderful Christmas. I hope people get some real value from this conversation. And if they did, I highly encourage them to reach out to you. We'll obviously list um, your links as well as Selena's on the, uh, who we'd love to have on the show at some point. Um, and never met her, but she's definitely an incredible human. And um, yeah, I wish you all the best and all the success and happiness, or whatever you may define that as in the future. Thank, awesome. thank you so much. Buddy. Appreciate it, bro. Cheers. Cool.